Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Can anyone say God can't use me because of my family background? You can't say, no one can say that because of 1 Timothy 1.15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not to applaud the righteous, because there aren't any, (laughs) but to save sinners. Now we read in verse 25, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go into my own place, my country. See, now verse 25 tells us that with the birth of Joseph, that certain thoughts now come to Jacob. Certain feelings seem to overcome him. Certain concerns worry him. And these are all these thoughts and concerns and feelings about home. And he has strong feelings now to return home. He's concerned about the dangers of staying any longer in Haran with his wonderful uncle Laban. He's worked for this wonderful uncle for 14 years, served his time in exchange for his two wives. He only wanted one, but he got two. And Jacob is overcome now with thoughts and feelings. He's got to go home. He's supposed to stay. He was supposed to stay there in Haran and wait for Rebekah to call him. He wasn't supposed to leave until he got the call from Rebekah. He was supposed to stay there. That's what his mother told him. Stay there in Haran until I call for you. Because Rebekah was Jacob's watch. She was his lookout back home, and she was to send the message and say, it's okay, come back home now. Esau has forgotten his anger, and he's not purposing to kill you anymore. He doesn't want to murder you. Those were her last words to Jacob when he fled for his life, and Jacob was to stay in Haran until Rebekah sent word that it was safe and okay for him to come home. But now with the birth of Joseph, Call or no call, he feels strongly it's time for him to leave and return home. He can't take it any longer. He wants deliverance from Laban's oppression. And he knows that it will get really bad there if he stays any longer with Laban. He feels he must now begin. He looks at this group he's got here, all these people, and he thinks to himself, He thinks like Clint does when he looks at all his family. He says, i got to provide for all these mouths. (laughs) He's got, with the birth of Joseph, this just seems to have tipped the scales for Jacob as he looks at his large family and he understands that with Laban's selfishness, there's no way that I'm going to be able to provide for my own. With the birth of Joseph, Jacob has in the back of his mind, you know, if I still, Uncle Laban, he's a bad influence on my family. I mean, he doesn't know, he doesn't honor God. 
He doesn't honor the God of my grandfather, the God of Abraham. He doesn't honor the God of my father, God of Isaac, you know. And, and he doesn't want his family to be influenced anymore by Laban and his idolatry, and he wants just out. So he says in verse 25, send me away. Now, he wants it to be somewhat friendly, a departure, and so he wants Laban to send him away, which is, you know, the diplomatic way of saying what he says in the next verse, let me go. You know, he's just, he's begging, he's begging Laban to just leave. I want to leave. Now, we really see the heart of Jacob by how he describes where he wants to go. You see, he reveals his heart here. He says, let me go to my own, mine own place. Let me go to my country. See, he's feeling that in Haran, this is not his own place. This is not his country. He's longing and yearning to go back to his own place, to go back to his own country. What does he mean by his own place, his own country? It means, for one thing, a great change has happened in Jacob. Because we remember in the chapter before, chapter 29, what it was like for Jacob in the so-called early days in Haran. I mean, he's described, and it started off in that chapter 29 of verse 1, where it says, remember the Hebrew says, he lift up his foot, so he's practically springing to come into the country of Haran. And remember how Jacob arrived in Haran after he was fleeing his murderous brother Esau, and how he arrived, didn't have any food, didn't have any money, and how in chapter 29, verse 1, Jacob was so encouraged. It's, oh, look, I got a new beginning here. It's new people. They were called the people of the east, the people of the morning. The, the sun is rising on his life now. And remember how this was going to be a great new start from Jacob, a great new beginning, and how wonderful it all looked for Jacob. Everything was just wonderful for Jacob. We remember how wonderful the new people were to Jacob. And verse 4, how he called, he meets these people he never met before, but he calls me, he says, my brethren. And he calls them brethren. They look at each other and say, he's coming on a little strong, do you think? Yeah. And, but the people were wonderful. And then we remember the well, and the well was wonderful. I mean, there the well was out in the middle of the desert there in Haran, and Jacob looks at that and says, oh, that well's like my life. My life's like a big desert, and all of a sudden now there's a well in the middle of the desert. Oh, this is wonderful. And then how could we forget the girl? Oh, the girl in verse 6, she was wonderful. She was beautiful. Rachel sounds so nice, little lamb. She was like a dream, so beautiful. And then who could forget the kiss? Oh, the kiss in verse 11. The kiss was wonderful. He got to kiss the girl of his dreams, Rachel. And then remember Laban in verse 13. Oh, Laban was wonderful. He was so warm. He was so welcoming. He comes out and he says in verse 13, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. He says, oh, look, he met his bone and flesh. It's me. Wonderful. And then we remember Laban's wonderful generosity and his concern in chapter 14 when he told Jacob, oh, just name your wages. Oh, so wonderful. And remember Laban's wonderful agreement to, sure, you can have Rachel. And Jacob came to Haran those early days in Haran. Everything was wonderful. He could just sing, everything's going my way. You know, it really looked like all of Jacob's needs were met Jacob's need for finally, for family security was met in the home of Laban. He doesn't have a watch over his shoulder about a brother who's going to kill him. 
His need for income was met by Jabin's wonderful generosity. And most of all, Jacob's love life, his need for a love life was met in this beautiful Rachel, the girl of his dreams. Boy, Haran was wonderful. Those early days in Haran, it appeared as though all of Jacob's needs were met outside of Canaan. It looked like all of Jacob's needs were met outside the land of promise. It looked like all of Jacob's needs were met away from God in Haran. Frankly speaking, if we were to ask Jacob at that time, Jacob, do you want to return to Canaan now? At that time in those early times, those early days when Jacob was in Haran, if the word had come from Rebekah saying, Jacob, it's okay now. Esau's forgiven you. You can come back home now. And we were to ask Jacob, say, hey, Jacob, you want to go back to Canaan now? You know what he would have said? He would have said, I got to be honest with you. I really don't. I really don't want to go back home now. I got such a great future here in Heron. I found the girl of my dreams. She's here in Heron. I found a home of love, of great security. It's right here in Heron. And no one wants to kill me. And everyone here loves me. It's right here in Heron. I've been promised. I got a promise of wealth, of income. It's right here in Heron. I got to be honest with you. I don't want to leave Heron. I don't want to. I'm happy here. And if we said, but Jacob, don't you really long and yearn for Canaan? He'd say, honestly, I don't. I don't long and yearn for Canaan. I'm really happy in Heron. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. He would say that. I have a great future here in Heron. And often we find ourselves in the same boat. Like Jacob was in his early days in Heron, where the world's good to us and everything's well with us. Everything's going great. We've got a great circle of friends. We got a steady income. We have interesting work. We enjoy being involved in these fulfilling projects, whatever they are we're involved in. We, we have fun in our recreation and our sports. We got a wonderful marriage. And if someone says, are you happy? We would think of all the circle of friends and the steady income and fulfilling projects and the recreations, the wonderful marriage. And we'd say, oh, yes, I'm really happy. And someone said, well, do you yearn and long to go to heaven? Well, we think of how heaven would be, let's see now, heaven would be uh, an interruption to the circle of friends. Let's <laughs> see now, heaven would be an interruption to the steady income, be an interruption to the interesting work, be an interruption to the feeling for poly, feeling for fulfilling projects, it'd be an interruption to the, the fun of the recreation, the sports, it'd be an interruption to the wonderful marriage. And we'd say, well... I am a Christian, and I know I'm supposed to say yes, that I long and I yearn for heaven, and I guess that somehow it's supposed to be better up there, but I, I don't know, I can't really see it right now. But, <laughs> but, you know, so really, if I was to tell you honestly, I'd have to say I'm pretty happy with my life down here, and I honestly am not really longing and yearning to go to heaven and have all this interrupted, you know? And we would be in exactly the same state as Jacob in the early days of Haran when he would say that he really didn't want to go back to Canaan. See, that's a great description to all that holds our affections to earth, and it's described as the things of the earth. And it comes from Colossians 3.2, where it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And if we were to apply this verse to Jacob, in his early days in Haran, we would say, Jacob, I know things in Haran look really good, but set your affection on things in Canaan and not on things in Haran. Hmm? 
and it was really dangerous for Jacob in those early days of Haran, and it's really dangerous for us when the world is all it should be for us. And when Isaac needed a wife, Abraham had two concerns. What were the two concerns? Remember the two concerns that Abraham had for his son Isaac? When he needed a wife, Abraham had two concerns for his son Isaac. What was the first one? That day she should not marry a Canaanite. Right. And the second one? He should not what? He should not go back to Haran. He should not. He said in Genesis 24, 6, Abraham said unto him, to his servant Eliezer, beware that thou bring not my son thither again. And in verse 8, and if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. Why? Abraham knew the dangers of getting affection set on Haran, and so Abraham commissioned Eliezer, don't bring him to Haran. Well, if Abraham could not guard his grandson, Jacob, from going back to Haran, so God said, okay, I'll take over. (laughs) I'll make sure that Jacob doesn't get his affections fixed on things of Haran. And so it was painful. This whole history is painful for Jacob to have his affections change and become unset on things of Haran. But God had that wonderful Uncle Laban turn out to be a terrible cheat, yeah? And had that wonderful income and wealth from Laban turn out to be slavery. And, and had that wonderful girl, Rachel, turn out to be terrible. You know? <laughs> so at the end result, is verse 25, is where Jacob says, I've changed my affections. I want to leave Haran. I want to return home. He has reset his affections on things on Canaan and not on things on Haran. And he had his affections set on Haran, but now as a result of great disappointments and discouragements, his affections have been reset on things of Canaan. See, that's a picture. And that's a picture that can very easily happen to us as we're saved and we have our Bethel experience like Jacob did, and our affections are set on things above, but then the world's good to us, and everything goes our way in the early days of Haran, and our affections get set on the things of the world, and the world turns out to be a great disappointment, great discouragement. We reset our affections on things above. So we see that Jacob calls Canaan, send me away, I might go into my own place, my country. He calls Canaan my own place, my country, and that said it all. Because what he was saying there says, you know, I used to call Haran my own place and my new country, but with all the idolatry, the deception, the bondage, the bitterness, and the fighting that I've had here, I've come to see that Haran is not my place, it's not my country. And Haran has just made me want to go to my place and my country. I'm not of Haran. I'm of Canaan. That's what he's saying there in verse 25. That's what happens to us. When we, here in the society, how freely on television, friends, whatever, people take the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in vain. When we see the broad acceptance of homosexuality as an acceptable way of life, when we see the broad acceptance of lightly killing the unborn, when we see the direct attacks on the Bible through the preaching of evolution, when we see the increase in the violence and the bombings, when we see the deterioration in our own bodies, When the world and its promises of a great future turn sour on us, when the world becomes a detestable place for us, all of this makes us say the words of verse 27, send me away that I may go to mine own place and to my country. And when Haran became a detestable place for Jacob, he changed his view of how he saw himself in Haran. 
In the early days, he saw himself as coming to Haran as his new home. But now he uses one word to describe himself in Haran. It's a word that he actually sent as a message to Esau in a couple chapters later in Genesis 32, verse 4, where he tells the messengers, he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my Lord Esau, thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. That's the word. He sees himself now as having sojourned. The Hebrew word for sojourn is ger, and it has the meaning of turning aside. You're going off this direction. I'm walking down here like that. Ger. I turn over in the pew here. Talk to Sam. <laughs> that's ger. See, that's what it means. It's a turning aside. Maybe I'm going down here, and I'm turning aside. I'm going to take a rest. I'm going to take a, have something to eat but I have intention to get back on the road again. That's Gur. That's a picture for us, just like John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. He's saved. What does he do? He starts off the celestial city, starts on the road to heaven. And the world, you know, going along there, he turns aside. And the dictionary defines sojourn as a place where a person lives temporarily or as on a visit. To sojourn is to stay for a while on a temporary basis. That's how the life of Abraham was. It says in Hebrews 11, 9 through 10, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. And then in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. How can you embrace something afar off? You can. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say th- such things declare plainly they seek the country. For truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. So these verses from Hebrews 11 here, they teach us about how we should live our lives on earth. The first way we should live our life on earth is like Abraham, by faith he sojourned. What does that mean, by faith he sojourned? Best way to see that is to sojourned as not settling down and to see faith as belief. So then you restate it, you say, by belief he did not settle down on earth. The opposite would be, by unbelief, he settled down on earth. See, we're to live our lives is not settling down on earth. Not to settle down on earth requires that belief that heaven is our home and this world is bound for destruction. And if we order our lives in a way where we settle down on earth, as if this is going to be our home forever, we fall into the by unbelief we settle down on earth. So the first way we should live our lives is by faith we sojourn. Second, it says that Abraham lived as in a strange country. He saw the country he lived in as strange. When Abraham saw the reckless immorality, the sexual perversion in places like Sodom, Abraham looked at it and said, strange. When when we read that Abraham was dwelling in tabernacles, he was living in tents, Just imagine if son of Abraham's relatives from Haran said, oh, let's go make a road trip. We'll go visit Abraham. And so they start off and and they go visit Abraham in Canaan. 
And they arrive, and they look around, and they're in shock. And they said, Abraham, I'm surprised at you. This place is a dump. You know? <laughs> With all your wealth, why are you living in these tents? Build yourself a nice house. You can afford it. Why are you living like this? You know what Abraham would say? Abraham would turn around and say, I don't feel badly because I haven't built myself a nice house. I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on life. Abraham would say, I'm living like this in these temporary tents because I'm looking for God's city. I'm looking for God's country. I won't settle down till I reach that city and that country. That's why it describes all those who died in faith in Hebrews 13 as not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And where do we see the promises afar off? In the Bible. In the Bible. The more we read the Bible, the more we live in the Bible, the more we see the promises afar off. But even though the promises were seen and they were afar off, their minds were so full of those promises that it says that they were persuaded by them. They embraced them, confessed they were strangers, the pilgrims on the earth. See, four events are described. First, the event of seeing them, which we do see when we read and live in the Bible. Second, the events of being persuaded by them, which happens to us when we base our decisions that we make in life on the promises of God. Third, the event of embracing the promises of God. The word embrace is very graphic. It's a picture of, of us wrapping our arms around the promises of God. You know, sometimes you, you meet someone and they go, oh, how are you? And you want to go, I'm getting out of here, you know. <laughs> but the Bible says, when the Bible promises comes, the Bible promises come to us, says, oh, and then we go, oh, and we have a good hug. And that picture wrapping arms around the promises of God and squeezing them so tight, they become part of us. And the fourth event is confessing that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, which we do when we not only tell others that we're bound for heaven, but we invite them to join us, to join us on our pilgrimage to heaven by them making the Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. And when those things are true of us, living in the Bible's promises of God, making decisions in life that are based on the promises of God, and embracing the promises of God, boldly telling others we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting them to join then we'll be insulated from the danger of Hebrews eleven fifteen, which is to be mindful of that country from whence they came out, whence we came out, so we don't have an opportunity to have returned. See, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 is like an email. When it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. The address of the email is those who are risen with Christ. The subject is things above versus things on the earth. And the text is set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. That's God's email to us. The fantastic job, the steady income, the interesting work, the fulfilling projects, the fun sports and the fun recreations, the circle of friends, the great house, the wonderful family, the perfect marriage, those are all things of the earth. There's nothing wrong with the things of the earth. Nothing wrong with them. There's nothing evil with those things on the earth. It's just don't set your affections on them. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.